I think asking the question of where morality comes from is like the wrong effing question. Yeah. Because to me, the right question is, how do we live with one another mm. in a pluralistic society where not everyone believes in the same God, where not everyone even believes in a God, uh, where people have different views about sexuality, gender, etc. How do we how do we live with one another? Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Dig New Streams podcast. I'm your host, Dave Capozzi. This week, I'm joined by my new friend who I met on TikTok, Ron Dawson. Ron goes by the name Blurred Ronner on TikTok and all his other socials. And he's also the author of the satirical memoir, Dungeons and Do-Rags, One Black Nerd's Comical Quest of Racial Identity and Crisis of Faith, and the podcast of the same name on the Ebony Podcast Network. This is a unique episode this week because we recorded it as a TikTok live, which means there are a couple times that we engage with comments that were coming in as we were speaking. It was so much fun to chat with Ron about the Bible and morality, and I definitely think this conversation will inspire some new thoughts or questions for you too. If you want to keep up with the podcast, subscribe to whatever platform you're using to listen right now. You can find a consistent conversation happening on TikTok if you search for my name, Dave Capozzi, and on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook at Dig New Streams Podcast. Without further ado, my conversation with Ron Dawson. If God's morality is objective, and it's objective for all time, yeah. then that should include the time in which he condoned slavery. <laughs> so then the answer you, you get to that is, well, that was common during the time. Well, what frustrates me about that answer is one, there were a lot of other things that were common during the time right. that he clearly said not to do. Right. Why was slavery okay? Two, if you ascribe to the belief that, oh, well, that was common during the time, you can't then make the argument that culture defines morality. Because you're saying God condoned this thing that was culturally okay at the time, and then later he doesn't. He didn't. Right. So you can't use the culture argument for things happening today if you're going to use it for slavery in the past. Exactly. I hear this one a lot with, and it's strange though, because we both are from an evangelical background. And so often what we'll hear is to be in the world, but not of it. Right. So, yeah. which would fly in the face of this idea that it makes it okay. Cause everyone else is doing it. Right. But the more I look at the conservative argument about critical race theory, black lives matter, all of this sort of conversation happening today, people will be like, well, Christi Christians in America, we didn't invent slavery, but we are the ones that stopped it. So as a way to sort of wash over the fact that our nation was founded on slavery as the sort of economic and almost, um, I don't know, philosophical, sociological basis for this country. And right. But the more I, as a history teacher and a, a student of Christian history, look at things by, we've talked about this before, but by 1838, there were over 1,300 chapters and 250,000 people in the anti-slavery, anti the American Anti-Slavery Association. That's right. a large number of people 
almost 30 years before the civil uh, before the emancipation proclamation mm-hmm. which says to me that there were a ton of people that were not pro slavery and they were people of faith mm-hmm. and so it wasn't just it didn't just go without saying that everyone was against slavery i mean that everyone was a racist or for slavery it didn't go without saying and right. i imagine right. there were lots of people throughout time who were like i don't know if it's okay that we own other human beings mhm so I guess my question is, like, when we talk about this source of morality and where it comes from, a lot of people, I think, think of it as this sort of objective line that here's where it is, and we're always just trying to figure it out along the way, and we make mistakes. Right. How do you view that? What do you, what would you say is true about sort of where morality comes from? How do you look at it? Well, I think, I mean, for me, I always bring it down to brass tacks, which is, What's important, and this is the I'm, this is the message I'm always saying, like in the TikTok videos I make re- re- regarding it, which is, I think asking the question of where morality comes from is like the wrong effing question. I don't know. Are, do you cuss? Are you cussing your podcast? You can cuss, yeah. Okay, I think it's the wrong fucking question. Yeah. Because to me, the right question is, how do we live with one another mm. in a pluralistic society where not everyone believes in the same God, where not everyone even believes in a God. Uh, where people have different views about sexuality, gender, et cetera. How do we, how do we live with one another? Yeah. And I actually just posted a video today that talked to, or yesterday about, you know, the greatest commandment, the two greatest commandments, love God with all your mind, heart, soul, et cetera, and love your neighbor as yourself. And I feel like that first one is between you and God. Like how that, how you, how that trans, how that manifests in your life is between you and God. Yeah. But it's that second one. Love others as yourself is the most important. Yeah. And I feel like there's so many people who identify as Christian, not all of them. Can we just say for now, <laughs> quick tangent, you don't need to say not all Christians, right? It's like when people <laughs> say not all men, right. not all white people, it's right. like I don't want to always have to clarify the kind of Christians. I know not That's all good. Christians like this. Okay. Get, right, big, get back, get wait, me back on my soapbox. We'll get right yeah. back to your soapbox. But that's why, and people have a big problem with me doing this, why I'm always very specific about white evangelical Christianity, because I yep. know that not all Christians, but continue. Yes. And I frequently say conservative Christians or evangelicals, right? But sometimes you just, you know, you're just, you're just talking, you're just, you're just, you're just going off of a cuff and you yeah. don't always have time to. All right. So we know not all Christians, but. <laughs> Well, I feel like a lot of Christians do. They're so concerned with that first commandment, which is to love God with all your mind, heart, and soul. And there's another verse that says the way you show you love God is by obeying his commands. Right. Well, obeying his commands means, you know, no homosexuality is a sin. And that's what you believe. All these other things. Right. If you believe that, then don't be in a homosexual relationship. Yeah. <laughs> but how do you show love to somebody else? And if you live in a pluralistic society where not everyone believes in the same God, et cetera, the best way you show love to, to someone else is being there for them, listening to them, affirming the issues that they have, even if you don't necessarily agree with their quote unquote lifestyle or whatever, and loving them and and acknowledging their humanity. Like yes. if you really believe that they're created in the image of God, what does that mean? Yeah. And when you are so obsessed with trying to do that first commandment, and get other people to do that first commandment and getting other people to do that first commandment based on how you 
interpret the Bible. Because yeah. that's the other thing. So going back to this objective morality thing about, you know, I think I think one it's the wrong question because it's how we treat one another. Yeah. Because when you're so focused on, well, because this is another common refrain you hear, well, if you don't have an objective moral truth giver, then you're just doing whatever you want to do. Then I can do whatever I want to do and they can do whatever they want to do. And I'm like, do you think we're living in the purge? Like, <laughs> we're not. Like, we're living in a society where we all live and we get along. Okay. Right. No right. one is out here. No one's out here shooting up everyone. No one's out here doing all these crimes in order to do what they want to do. Right. We're living together. And I think morality is only good in so much, insofar as it allows us to grow as humans, to evolve as a society, which is why I do think morality to some extent is subjective. Yeah. It does grow and evolve. There was a time when it was common for there to be slaves. There was a time when it was common to treat women a certain way. Yeah. And we evolved beyond that. And I always like to say we we evolved beyond that despite Christianity, not mm -hmm. because of it. Mm. So, yes, I think it's great that there were a lot of progressive Christians during the 1800s who were leaders in the in the uh, in abolishing slavery. Yeah. That's great. But you know what? There were like a dozen or more African-American leaders in the in the abolition movement. I don't think they were yes. doing it because they were, quote unquote, Christian. I think whether or not those black folk were Christian, they would have been leaders in that movement. And so one thing that I feel happens is a lot of black leaders who were in that movement, you either don't learn about or you don't know because in the church anyway, because you always hear all like, you know, yeah. William Wilberforce and um, and um, Harry Beecher Stowe and all these other Christians who uh, were leaders in the movement who happen to be white. <laughs> and and let's say and that's your proof that Christians were really up to the task of getting rid of this, you know, this horrible thing because and of so, Christianity, because of yes, Christianity, because of Christianity, yeah. as opposed to. Maybe humanity because it's yeah humanity like it's not a good thing and so and i always like to say how a hundred years from now you're gonna have when we're no longer bigoted towards the lgbtq community they're gonna be conservative christians a hundred years from now saying they're gonna be looking back on the progressive christians of today who are fighting for the rights of the lgbtq community and say you see back in the 20 100s, whatever. I don't even know what year it is. Um, the conservative Christians in the future are going to look back to the progressive Christians of today and say, see, it was those Christians who helped pave the way for the LGBTQ community to no longer suffer mm. under the helm of bigotry and hatred. You're, you're much more hopeful about the Christian movement than I am. <laughs> Whoever think, is left a hundred years from now. Yeah, I think that's probably probably pretty accurate. But if we look back, like William Lloyd Garrison, who recruited Frederick Douglass, is not seen in conservative Christian circles as a hero. He is seen that way in progressive circles, but mm -hmm. he he was he was the foremost abolitionist in America uh, yeah. in terms of his influence through the newspapers and all that. But you don't. I never. I never learned about him growing up as a Christian. Not once. Yeah. Yeah. 
So the, yeah, the progressives of today, mm-hmm. who are the people that are like, you know, flying rainbow flags and all sorts of stuff. I don't, I don't know. I don't think that the movement that we see right now that we could identify as conservative white evangelical Christianity, whatever that is, is going to be all that like is going to be there in a hundred years. I don't have that hope. No, but I think there'll be some form of conservatism a hundred mm. years from now. Um, that embraces I, I, LGBTQ plus people. Of, well, they'll be, I think in theory, right, they'll think of it the same way people think of slavery today. Like, how could you ever be yeah. against that? Or, and, um, and they will refer, and people of the future will say, what about these verses? What about these verses? And then who knows? Who knows? Maybe it's hopeful thinking. <laughs> I won't yeah. be around. I won't be around. <laughs> but I, I just use it as an example because, yeah. because of the fact that the issue of this issue of slavery and how Christians led the abolition movement, always forgetting that there were also Southern Christians who were totally for it. And for yes. 200 years before that, Christians were behind it so yes absolutely it's like you don't get a i don't think christianity as a gets a gold star because they finally came around and started to adhere to their own book like <laughs> okay great christians we're leading well, the the abolition of slavery well, i think so it's that's, fantastic that's the question that's one of the questions that we've tackled before is um you know when someone says it's this or that thing is biblical well okay you can make anything you want to be biblical, anything you can make the Bible say anything you want, because the Bible is vast, has lots of writings from lots of authors over lots of years. And it's much more of a dialogue than it is a consistent stream of one voice. So when some right, so when someone says, are you being biblical? You might mean, well, God is love and therefore we should love one another. Another person might mean, well, God is justice. And that means that we need to stand out against things that God is clearly against, which would be LGBTQ plus people, CRT, abortion, right? So both sides right. see themselves as biblical. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I'm sure you know this, Dave, that the entire Bible is the story of Jesus and how <laughs> the, the, the Bible is clear about very few things. And um, whenever anyone, because if it was so clear, we wouldn't have thousands of denominations. We wouldn't have hundreds of translations. So it's obviously not that clear. Who it's who, it's important to identify who it's clear for. It is yes. clear for me. That's it. So when yeah. I when I get to when I say the Bible is clear, it's clear because I've made it that way. I've made it work that way in my mind. That's yeah. it. Yeah. And. I always find it interesting when I do hear Christians say that there is an objective moral truth, because in practice, even the Christianity that they ascribe to is not objective in so much that there's this one definitive morality, because obviously there are some Christians who are completely affirming of a homosexual lifestyle or or people who are gay and living that truth. And there are some Christians who will swear up and down that it's a sin. Yeah. And if you live that lifestyle, you're going to go to hell. There are some Christians who believe that no, there is no excuse ever to take the life of someone who's not born yet. Yeah. Talking about the 
abortion issue. And there are some who believe in a woman's holy autonomy. So there are lots of, there are some Christians who believe premarital sex is a sin, shouldn't do it. Some Christians believe otherwise. So there's all the subjectivity to even how people interpret the Bible, which is why yes. I always come back to, this is why I always come back to, okay, how are you treating other people? How are we living with one another? Right. And I don't right. necessarily care if the morality you have or that I have was put there by God or not. What I care is how you treat me and how you treat other people. And yeah. yes, if fundamentally, the, fundamentally, yes. isn't that what morality is all about? Like that's what the, it should be about. Well, ultimately, the questions, the questions from a religious or a a broadly Christian way of looking at it isn't as concerned about what you're talking about as it is about objective truth, which is what we right. would be judged upon. What we're talking about is how society functions in a way that benefits people and understands that it's ultimately we need each other. We rely on one right. another for our well-being, and that's what morality is. Um, and that's where you and I maybe diverge then from what a Christian might say is morality. But ultimately, part of it is that not only do we live in a pluralistic society, we live in a hyper-individualistic society. And so when we've got those two things happening at the same time, we don't need to interact with each other in a meaningful way. So we don't mm -hmm. really feel the... Ron, your well-being depends on my well-being and vice versa. And I think that right. that's where we get these conversations about morality are all about our head and have very little to do with, well, Ron needed bread last night, so he came to my door and I gave him bread. Because we're in relationship mm -hmm. with each other and morale, I don't need to teach. You don't need to teach me to love my neighbor and to give him bread. <laughs> it's a part of our right. survival. And I just wonder when... Huh. When you have these yeah. conversations, you have a lot of conversations with Christians. You intentionally mm -hmm. debate them about these topics. Are you hoping to move them from like that sort of moral judgment system to a more human-centric way of thinking about it? Or how do you look at the purpose behind your debates? That's a good question. I don't ever... If I get into a particular debate with someone who has a strong feeling, it's never my expectation that they're going to be definitely going to be moved in that in that conversation nor is it even my intention to try to change their mind so to speak i know that kind of seems maybe that seems counterintuitive but i think anyone who's debated any kind of topics as long as i have um, will realize that that is kind of like um de a de facto aspect of debates like you rarely can you convince anyone within the context of a debate yeah. and it's about a relationship. And so part of why I have these conversations is because I know there are people who, who watch them, who listen to them, who either want to feel like they're not alone or it gets them thinking, or they're in a process of thinking about some of these things like I used to be. And so they're wrestling with some of these issues and a lot of the learning I've gotten over the years has come from listening to other people debate and have these kind of conversations. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I think there's a part of me that hopes that someone will have a light bulb moment and realize, oh, okay. But especially if like, if you're really deep into your faith, whatever it is, it's, that's a hard, that's a hard nut to crack. Yeah. And, 
as we both um, know because that's been us exactly yeah. exactly yeah i mean i've been i've been on the other side i know what it's like i've i've had when i was deep into christianity and having conversations with atheists or people who didn't believe whatever and i got into these conversations i was saying and doing the same kind of things and i had the same kind of mindset like i wasn't yeah. trying to convert them to christianity in that i was trying to build a relationship and you know the way i always approached it was i want to live a life that looked as much like christ as possible mm. and through that regard because even back then i knew there were a lot of assholes who were christians yep right yep. and yep. so yep. even when i was really one and so a Christian, not an asshole. Um, <laughs> some people might say today that I am still an asshole. I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> that is not my experience of you, Ron. Thank you. But, you know, even back then, I knew there were a lot of Christians who were making a bad name for Christian. Like, if I were a Christian today yeah. and using the, the Tickety Talk app in order to spread my faith, I'd be doing it a lot differently than I see a lot of Christians doing it. Like, yeah. What would I that look be like for you? I, or, it would, how about this? Do you mind yeah. giving me an example of what you wouldn't be doing and then say how you do it differently? Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be, if I did stitch an atheist or someone who deconstructed because they're saying something that I believe was incorrect, I wouldn't do it in a way that was combative. I wouldn't mm. do it in a way to attack them. I would realize that they're coming out of a place of pain mm. because I, I dealt with and I had conversations with people who were hurt by the church back when I was in it. So yeah. I would never speak back when I was a Christian. I never talked to people in, in the gay community in a judgmental way. I always listened to what they had to say, understanding that the pain that they went through that was caused by the church. Yeah. So that's, if I were to stitch someone, it would be strictly for the purposes of, this is how I see that verse. I know a lot of people see this verse as X, Y, and Z. I'm just sharing how I see it. And I probably wouldn't even stitch the person. I'd probably would just say, I recently saw a video where someone who deconstructed said this. I want to share you what I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, that's one way. But I would be, honestly, I don't even know that I would be, I mean, I would be sharing what I think about the faith, obviously. I'd be sharing like what I think about verses. Yeah. Um, and, but I would also, I would be fighting for a lot of the things that I think I fight for now. Mm. Social justice. I believe yeah. that Jesus was a social justice warrior. I would be fighting for the rights of the oppressed. I would be, I would be um, a Christian who was fighting for the LGBTQ community. I would be a yeah. Christian who was fighting for um, the trans community and other communities. And I, I, I damn sure would be fighting against um, racial injustice that happens in this country. And yep. so. And I would be, I would be doing my best to kind of live a life that I felt like Jesus really wanted people to live, mm. and show and show love. And I would try my best to show the fruit of the spirit. I see so many uh, Christians who make videos, and I'm looking for the fruits of the spirit. I'm not seeing it. Like, yeah, I see some of it. You know, I'm not seeing that patience. I'm not seeing that forbearance. Definitely not seeing that love. Um, and and so, but you know. To be fair, I see a lot of, I see a number of Christians, I wouldn't say a lot, a number of Christians I follow on here absolutely do that. Pastors, a lot of them happen to be pastors, like in the Lutheran church or whatever, and they are using their congregation, they're using their platform um, 
for for showing what they believe is the truth of Jesus and his message. Yeah. And yeah, so that's kind of I, I that's, that's really how, good. That makes sense. And that's pretty consistent with the way that I experience you. I feel like you're very generous towards Christians as well. Um, and I think that the times when I see you a little bit more satirical or snarky is when you feel like someone's being hurtful. And ultimately yeah. what it comes down to is it appears that the kind of Christian you were is the kind of non-Christian you still are, um, which means that <laughs> yeah. you're still Ron. And I think that's where people get confused, right? It's hard right. for it's hard for folks who we've been in relationship with who are Christian and they're like, well, you're still you. I don't know what to do with that. And I think because so much of our communion um, within the mm. Christian faith is based on a couple of things that um, outside of that world don't make sense. So the first one is it's based on a belief. So our my right. relationship to you is based on a belief. Once that belief shared belief is gone, we're done. And then also it's based on this idea that the Holy Spirit changes you. So mm. like you being a part of the Christian community means that you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, which means you then have the fruit of that spirit, which is peace, patience, love, joy, all that sort of stuff. If right. you still have that stuff and you're not a Christian, what do you do with that? And so yeah. I, I think it's confusing. No, it is. And that's, and and so it almost makes you wonder what came first, like the chicken or the egg, what came mm. first, that aspect of your personality or Christianity? And mm. what do you um, think? I think uh, I think it I think it I think it depends on the topic, because here's the other thing. I kind of feel like we dance around the real issue whenever we have this topic about morality. I think me and most of the Christians that I interact with on this app or anywhere else, I would say 95 percent of the things that they think are immoral. I also think are immoral. <laughs> yeah. Stealing, stealing, unaliving, kicking puppies. Like <laughs> we can go down the line of all the things that I think we would both agree are immoral. Right. There is a select, there's this little subset where the Venn diagram doesn't cross, right? Where we disagree and it's usually around issues of sexuality and identity. Right. You know, is it immoral? Is being gay immoral? Is living a gay lifestyle immoral? Is being trans immoral? Is having sex outside of marriage immoral? Right. Is any kind of sexual positivity immoral? Is, hmm. is watching the P word, is that immoral? Like yeah. you can go on and on all these things and they're almost always related to something related to sex or identity. Hmm. And you have to ask yourself why. Like yeah. part of it and and... And who was the writer of so many of the verses that kind of relate to that? A well, a pious, a pious, sexually repressed ex Pharisee. Well, a guy. Well, a lot of it is attributed to him. What we know now is yes. that most of it wasn't him. But I will say that his style and the people that he that obviously were in his line of disciples still thought the way that he did. Yes. And, and we're talking about Paul, right? Just Paul, to make sure. Yes. yes. His What's funny is people don't realize like with his ideal, his ideal was that you and I, Ron, would be single, that we would never yes. get married. Yeah. So his sexual ethic is not something that people should point to, but they often do. 
not realizing that Paul's like, I wish you guys would be like me, but if you can't keep yeah. it in your pants, then get married. Then get married. But but the thing is, when you think about that time period and the urgency that they felt, everything was about the arrival of the kingdom of God. So anything that yeah. wasn't that was a distraction. Um, yeah. And I, I once saw someone make a video about how, um, you know, what if Jesus was married and what would that have done? to him like going home and being like i was just out trying to heal people you know and trying to you know talk about how he wasn't being attentive enough to his spouse and that's paul, what pretty much is what paul is saying is like if you're going to do this thing which will cost you your life it's probably best that you're not married yeah do you remember um the what was the movie that um that martin scorsese did back about jesus Name's escaping me now. Um, uh, damn it. Um, well, there was this movie. I'm going to remember it later. If you remember it, let me know. Mention it in the in the comments. But Martin Scorsese did this movie. Starred Willem Dafoe as Christ. Hmm. Um, maybe you can Google it while I'm talking. Uh, and uh, in it, spoiler alert for this movie that whose name I can't remember. But in in the movie, when Jesus is on the cross, he has a dream. He has like a fever dream or whatever. And in that dream, he gets married. And he marries Mary. Hmm. And he has a life, whatever. And um, uh, at the end of the dream, it is... Um, is it Peter? Did you find it? The Last Name Temptation it? of Christ. Yes, The Last Temptation of Christ. Last Temptation of Christ... That movie caused a a huge uproar in the Christian community, particularly mm. among Catholics. And one of the main reasons was because it showed Jesus getting married. I think that that was like one of the biggest issues that people had with it. I remember at the time, as when I was a Christian, seeing it, um, I thought it was really powerful. Another thing that really upset them was. So in the movie, we find out, again, spoiler alert for a movie that's 20 plus years old or whatever. <laughs> but in that movie, we find out one of the disciples or someone who's been really close to Jesus was turned out to be Satan. So he's being tricked by Satan. So obviously, there were people who were upset that why wouldn't Jesus recognize Satan? Hmm. Um, and uh, part of the movie is like Jesus has this dream where he he's he is let down first you don't know it's a dream like someone gets him down off the cross he doesn't have to sacrifice himself he has this beautiful life with mary um and it turns out he was being fooled by the devil and then it was i think it was peter or some other disciple who was played by um um by uh who's who, who's the gangster dude that's always the guy who's always playing a gangster in martin's scorsese movies um <laughs> Like I should be knowing all these names. Like one of the biggest, um, the cast. Actors. I'm looking at the cast. We got Willem Dafoe, Harvey, Lee, David Harvey Bowie, Keitel. Keitel. Oh, okay, I think yeah. it's Harvey. I think it was. No, it wasn't it was Harvey Bowie. Uh, it, it may have been Harvey Keitel. Says, tells him, you know, shows him that he's been fooled by the by Satan, and then at the last minute he climbs back on the cross and he ends up going through. And I remember at the time thinking it was a really beautiful story mm. of the importance of the cross. Yeah. But just like the uproar over showing Jesus, you know, getting married, <laughs> which again goes to one of the few 
when we dance around this issue of morality, it's always around these particular topics. And this makes me think like, when you think about all the things that like Jesus talked about and he preached about, and you think about the fact that so much of what we have in common, we agree on as it relates to what's moral, what's immoral, how we get on, how we get so caught up in the issue of the LGBTQ community, how they get so caught up on gay rights and trans issues and all these other issues that seem so far from what Jesus was really talking about is crazy to me. It is. And it's literally not biblical. <laughs> this comes back to yeah. that thing, right? So I wonder what, you know, when we have these conversations with people, because you and I agree, right? And we can mm -hmm. build a community of love and people can find these conversations and feel hope and love. And at the same time, recognize that we're combating a worldview that, that is dehumanizing, oppressive, harmful to people that unequivocally the person that we read about in the new Testament, Jesus of Nazareth would have mm -hmm. been standing up for against the people that are condemning them without, right. without even a shadow of a doubt. That's what he would be doing. And so I wonder, what do we do with that? Like, I guess in terms of, I'm always trying to think about effectiveness because that right. matters, you know, like I don't want to just shout at the wind, but I do, it matters to talk about these things because, because like you, I was changed by these conversations. And so right. when, when we think about morality, now we think about how to love ourselves, how to love our neighbors and to think about not necessarily love people the way or treat people the way you want to be treated, but treat people the way they want to be treated. And yeah. so this like sort of moral framework is different, but it does have connections or like glimmers of uh, Christianity. Do you feel that like you still sort of find yourself quoting parts of the Bible to affirm morality within you? Or are you sort of done with that? Um connection to your moral framework no i think that's a good question i wouldn't say that i quote parts of the bible but i think and i think you brought this up on a live that you and i did a week or so ago i can't escape the fact that a large part of the morality i do have stems from growing up in the church being raised by a christian mother and then through most of my adulthood adulthood being in the church and and so, but again, I was always moved by the person of Jesus and the love of Jesus. And that's one of the main things that kind of attracted me to my faith or made me grow with my faith. Um, and so now that I no longer consider myself a Christian, I don't use that title. And I like to describe myself as a hopeful um, agnostic. Hmm. I still, a lot, I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the, morals I have, I think, stem from that. But again, I think there were ones I would have even if I wasn't a Christian. Where I think my past Christian faith comes into line is I think there are times where I interact with people and I have a sort of what would Jesus do moment. Mm. Although um, where I feel like, okay, I can be so my most of my content, like you kind of alluded to, a lot of it is kind of 
satirical and snarky because I like to use comedy as a way to help people get over spiritual abuse or trauma or whatever. Yeah. And so, but there are times when my instinct when interacting with people in comments or making responses to video and comments are less quote unquote Christ-like, if you know what I mean. (laughs) And so I think, so I think, I think where my, where there are aspects of my faith that still maybe affect me in a positive way and how I think it affected me back when I was a Christian was being inspired, motivated, however you want to describe it, to be a better, more loving person to someone, even when they disagree with me. Yeah. Or even when I disagree with them vehemently, I don't know if I said that, but very strongly. Yeah. Uh, and so I think there are times where I have made videos. I think I just made one last week where I specifically said, okay, I'm not going to respond to this comment the way I may incline. I'm going to take on a more Christ-like, I think, because <laughs> I think I did the video on Easter or the day after Easter. <laughs> so I said, since Easter was just yesterday, I'm going to, and, and I think that's one way I probably would be different. I, I'd be a lot more like that, like um, probably a lot less, a lot fewer F-bomb dropping, a lot, mm-hmm. a lot more sense of engaging with people in a more, in a less combative way. And even in my bio, I write, you know, always a gentleman until you give me a reason not to be. Yeah. And so um, for a lot of times with people in comments, they come out the gate hot. So the response for me is hot, right? The um, question, the question is, Ron, like, how do we understand how Jesus behaved? And I think that the last thing that I would describe him as towards people who were antagonistic to his mission, I would describe, I wouldn't describe him as kind. Um, and I wouldn't describe him as someone, he would be someone that evangelicals would hate. Uh, there's just not a question in my mind. He would, people who are on the margins of society would love him. Evangelicals would hate him. And, oh, yeah, and, for sure. and he would be antagonistic towards them. It's funny that you say Easter, like that's when he was, you know, the week I loved as a pastor preaching on Palm Sunday, because it was mm. the most like rebellious, revolutionary, overtly, like just in your face, Jesus that we have where he's Mm. just like throwing tables. He's coming in. He's like, this is my time. Now we're doing this. Right. He's at, after at everybody. That's what his whole entire under, that's what I understand his entire ministry to have been. So Mm -hmm. it's interesting when you say Christ, like I think, (laughs) I think of a guy that was satirical antagonistic and was always saying things that put people who thought they were in the right in their place. Right. Yeah. But, but that's maybe not always the way we think of Christ-like. No, you know, that's, that's, that's an interesting way of thinking about it um, or characterizing it. Uh, I can't, I really can't argue with that. Um, I do, I do. It makes me think about of many Christians today who don't even realize that they are essentially the equivalent of modern day Pharisees. Um, where they're extremely religious, they use their religion to beat down the press, whether it's um, the people who are suffering from racial injustice or people from gender injustice, for lack of a better term. Yep. 
and like they are literally doing today with the Pharisees of the day of the, of the they think they are doing it in the name of God, in the right. name of that first commandment, loving right. God with all their mind, heart, and soul. And they do it. So many of them do it with such certainty. Like they are definitely right. They do it with such passion. Like they, they just know that this is the right way and they are a warrior for God. And they like letting people know. <laughs> that you got it wrong. and you'll see one day when every knee bows and every head bows and and you'll 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 get yours you will get yours that's okay i would say that's a fundamental difference between the conversations jesus was having and the one the ones we're having because you don't we don't get to have like this dialogue with each other where it's just like ah you know we believe this passionately but you know what you're going to be judged for all of eternity and you're going to go to hell like what in the world? How does that's like, boom, the conversation's over. That removes the possibility that we're wrestling together. And I find yeah. with you, someone who wants to wrestle through this stuff, who's like, no, let's, let's argue about it. Cause it's too important not to. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, someone in the comments, this, his hands and feet wrote, the Bible says, speak the truth and love. And they forget the love part. Yeah. There's two things I want to address there. Um, yeah. One, I, I agree with you, um, his hands and feet person. Uh, 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 the love part. They, they forget a lot of the fruit of this. But they also forget that the quote-unquote truth that they are stating is their interpretation of the truth. Yeah. And, and one difference that I have seen between Christians who are more progressive and Christian evangelicals who are more conservative I, I feel like the progressive Christians are more willing to hold the Bible with open hands, that they are a lot less dogmatic, a lot less certain in mm -hmm. their interpretation. And they, it's almost like they realize that, you know what, there are different ways of interpreting this. I believe that the verses as it relates to homosexuality don't mean what a lot of conservative Christians mean, but I could be wrong. Yeah. Whereas I feel like, conservative evangelicals are more like nope the bible is clear <laughs> yeah yes. and, yeah right and that's a it's huge true. difference that i see that's true what how you define truth became uh, a big conversation for me near the end of my time pastoring like uh, um people will probably i'm assuming you've heard this like as an insult you, you must believe that you know uh in postmodernism where it's like your truth is your truth and everyone else you know there's no objective morality or objective truth right yeah um and I'm always like, well, kind of, but like, mm -hmm. I, I think we can all agree that this, like we're standing on grass right now, you know, like that's mm -hmm. true. But when it comes to things that I can't see or touch, how am I supposed to affirm the same thing you affirm? I can't say that right. we could do that. Um, and that's most things in life, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Which is why, again, this, the, the conversations around morality with a lot of Christians is frustrating because there is this arrogance and pride that they have the right answer and the Bible is clear and those things that you're doing are wrong or those things that they're doing over there is wrong and they're going to make it their mission to let everybody know that and to and if they can to legislate 
legislate their interpretation of the Bible into um, our laws, which is another thing that is frustrating. Uh, frustrating is, yeah. Yes. So what do you do? What do you do with that, Ron? Do you have any, um, you care about, and you've brought up a few times how LGBTQ plus people are treated by the church. Yeah. Do you have any like um, political action that you take to combat that force that is within our society that is so strong? Do you find yourself captivated by any movements that are happening uh, that will shift the balance of power that way? Well, I'm a huge fan of the Pod Save America guys. Um, they uh, So it's a podcast. It's one of the most popular political podcasts. They are unapologetically liberal um, and extremely progressive. And they created a site called Vote Save America. Mm. And you know the creators of that podcast used to work for Obama. So they were in, they were like Obama's speechwriter and his PR person or something like that. So they have a lot of inside connections. It's a huge podcast. I'm sure it gets millions of downloads a month. And they use their platform to fight the good fight. And so they will have on um, guests, they'll have like local guests from Michigan or from Georgia or for certain battleground states where they know they need a lot of action and they'll use their platform to get people who listen to them to donate to like, even if you don't live in the state, donate to such and such in Michigan, because this is a important state. And if we don't get that state X, Y, and Z will happen. Mm, and so, yeah, you know, I can't send enough praise about vote save America. It's just vote save America.com. Mm. Um, and so, uh, you know, so I kind of like, <laughs> you know, I, I always like to say how the money that I used to put towards tithe, I now put towards, uh, things like political campaigns nice. or if I see, um, nonprofit organizations that I care about, or if there's someone that come across, there are a few people who come across TikTok who are in dire straits, you know, I'll throw them 25, 50 bucks, whatever. Like that's, that's how money that I had budgeted towards tie that kind of put it away for that. Now, to be honest, full transparency is not the full 10%. Unbelievable. But, I know, right. but because <laughs> when I was in church, um, I was definitely doing the full 10%. And it was funny because my journey to that 10% was different. Like when I started tithing, it was just like 20 bucks a, a week. And then, and then it got to like 10% of my net salary. And then, and then I was convicted by the spirit. No, it needs to be 10% off the top. And then, so for, so for most of my Christian life, I was being a full tithe. Ooh. I was bringing the full tithe to the storehouse. Um, yes, you so were. I don't do that. I don't do that anymore. But I do. I I do love giving to either causes or people that I believe in, hmm. and uh, I like to use it for that. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I hope this conversation inspired some new thoughts or questions within you. Until next time, peace, my friends.